It's time to hit the road. Whether the destination is certain or the adventure is in the unknown. The open highway beckons. Leave it all behind and wonder. Where this journey will take you. How's it going, everyone? Uh, my name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here, and glad that you are on this road trip with us this morning. And I also want to recognize that some of you are actually on a road trip and you're joining us online. We're glad you're with us too. Hope you're having a good time. Be safe. Come back soon. And next time, take us with you, all right? Uh, but we, we are on a road trip this summer, and it's why, in case you're wondering, we have a car on stage. This is a 59. Nomad, how many of you were born in 59? Don't raise your hand. But this is a nice, uh, this is a nice car here. And uh, I was thinking that after the, after the service, some of us could get in this car and take a spin. What do you think? You up for that? First 10 people to raise their hands. All right, okay. <laughs> we could probably fit about 10 people in here, maybe, if we put them in the back without seatbelts, the good old days, right? So there's, there's a capacity limit to this car, but on the, the road trip that we're on this summer, there is no limit. Uh, there is always room for you. We want you to hear that. This road trip that we're on, this series, really the, the journey, the road trip that we're on at Hosanna, there's always room for you. No matter what your background, no, no matter you know, where you are on your journey, on your road trip of life, uh, there's room for you. You're welcome here. We want you to hear that. And here's, here's a related thought. There's always room for more. There's always room for more. Do you think that way? As your pastor, I kind of want you to think that way. <laughs> There's always room for more. Who are those people in your life? Those neighbors or, you know, coworkers or friends or even some family members, you know, that, that need to be on this road trip with us, that need to experience the real life that Jesus Christ can bring. Who are those? They're coming to mind right now, I hope, those people. And again, as your pastor, what I want you to do is, is to be intentional about building bridges, building relationships with those people. Not with strings attached, well, I'm just building a relationship so eventually they'll come to church. No, 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 no. Genuine relationships, serving people, loving them, blessing them, praying for them, right? And then when the, when the Spirit leads you eventually to, to, to make an, an invite, to give an invite, to them to come and experience this road trip that we're on, not just this series again, but, but this journey of faith that we're on together, real life in Jesus Christ. So who are those people? And, and here's a little tip, okay? So when, whenever you invite them, it might be the summer, the series, or the fall, or Christmas, but here's a tip. Offer to buy them a meal before or after the service, all right? Because then you can say, even if you don't like the service or the preacher or whatever, you get a free meal. That works for people, all right. So we're on this road, the road trip, and, and a lot can happen on road trips, and you could tell some stories probably, but we know at least three things happen on, on road trips. One is it, a road trip expands our view of the world, and that shows us how big the world is out there. Second thing that happens on a road trip is that we, we have these deeper connections with people when we're out on the road, right? We just get away from, from all the noise and the busyness, and we can really connect, look at each other, see each other, right? And then the other thing that happens is we, we start to see ourselves more clearly, accurately, honestly, because again, we're away from the hustle and bustle of everyday life, and we can actually kind of think about, okay, where am I, and, and who am I, and where am I going in life right now? 
So lots of reasons to go on road trips. We've, we've been encouraging you to share your stories, stories uh, of road trips that you're taking this summer, and you can send in stories through email, or you can use a hashtag if you know how to do that. But here's one story I want to share with you because this person experienced all of what I just described. Pamela says, my college-age kids and I just returned from a trip to Rome and Atrani, Italy. There's a road trip for you. Each summer, we try to take one adventure together. And she goes on to talk about how they experienced all these beautiful historical sites in Italy. But then she says this, the most beautiful thing, though, was our bonding time to just sit at cafes and talk and listen to thank God in my heart for who my kids are becoming, and, and I'm thankful for that above all else, she says. Then she says, I'm a big believer in vacations, road trips, and exploring life with family and friends, because it's a big, diverse world. Experiencing other places makes me feel small as I consider the magnitude of cultures and time. God has an awful lot of people in his care, right? You realize that when you get out on the road. There's a lot going on. There's a big old world, and there are a lot of people out there, and we start to see ourselves and, uh, and connect with others and and, uh, and, and see this big world. I experienced all of that and more on a road trip that I went on in college. Some of you went on road trips in college. You can't talk about them in church, right? But I can talk about this one. Uh, I, I went on a road trip with some of my college roommates. Uh, we lived, I lived in a house with 10 other guys in college, right? We called it the Honey Bucket. Why? Because the Honey Bucket was the name of a porta potty company in Washington. Does that tell you a little bit about the state of this house? And actually, I say 10, there was 10 guys in the house, and then there was also Bubba who lived in a camper in the driveway, all right? We're thankful for Bubba. But five of us went on a road trip, uh, and we borrowed one of our parents' minivans, and we went to Arizona from Washington State to see baseball spring training, all right? And, and we, we had a great time. I ate a lot of junk food, fast food, baseball food, and, and we saw a lot of baseball, and we got sunburned because for, for most of us, it was our first time traveling without our mommies. And uh, we got, like one of my roommates, he, he got so, his lips got so sunburned, they blew up to like four times the size. Uh, seriously, I'm not exaggerating. We had a great time on this road trip. On the way home, I, 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 I'm kind of frugal, if you don't know that about me. And, and so I proposed to the group, let's just drive through the night. We don't want to waste money on a hotel. And and they all were like, no, we're really tired. We think we should probably, and I'm pretty forceful in addition to being frugal. And so they finally gave in that they said, if you want to drive through the night, you got to drive. So I got behind the wheel about 10 o'clock at night and it's, you know, 15, I'm not exaggerating, 15 minutes into this road trip, my eyelids feel like they're 20 pound weights. You know this feeling? And uh, they still tease me about it. They quote me. I said, guys, I can't physically keep my eyes open anymore. And so we pulled off and slept at like, you know, a rest stop or something. So it was a win-win. We didn't pay anything. Um, But we didn't drive through the night. That would have been dangerous. So you learn things about yourself on road trip. You connect with people. I learned that I shouldn't be, you know, driving at night. I'm a morning person. Um, Like many of you are aware, you're you're better in the morning. Um, and 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 I just saw a little bit more of the world. That's what we want for you, not the sunburns or the, you know, heavy eyelids, especially during this sermon, okay? But we want you to experience, on this road trip they're on, we want you to have that experience of the world getting bigger, of, of, you know, that deeper connection with people and seeing yourself more clearly. And when, when, we, when we experience all of those things, something else happens. Our view of God expands. God gets bigger. And here's, here's, here's the deal. We all need that. We all need our view of God to expand a little bit, maybe even a lot. See, we all have something called a God box. We all have a God box. 
And in this God box, God box we put our, our ideas of who God is and our understandings of who God is. And, and, and what's put in that God box is based on our experiences and our influences. It's based on how we learn to interpret the Bible over the years. It's, it's based on our finite mind and capacity. The Bible tells us this, that our thoughts are not his thoughts. Our way, they're higher than ours. He's infinite. We're finite. And so we have this oftentimes God box that's too small and even like you see on the box, fragile because it's not the full complete picture of who God is. And, and so when we bump up against things in life, when we go through stuff in life, our God box at times is too small, it's too fragile. And then along the way, in our lives, we have this God box. God shows up. We have an encounter with him. And what happens then is he stretches our God box. He shows us more about who he is. In fact, I would even say when God shows up, our God box blows up. <laughs> it blows up. When God shows up, what we may have thought about God or who we thought God was, when he shows up and reveals himself to us, and some of you are nodding your heads like, that's happened to me. <laughs> It's like our God box just expands and maybe even explodes into a fuller, more complete view of who God is. This is what happens to Jacob in the road trip story that we're going to look at today. Every week we're looking at a different story of the Bible of, of people who are on a road trip. And this, this guy named Jacob is on a road trip. He is, he is on the road and then God shows up and his God block, box just blows up. It's a passage in Genesis 28. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn there. If you have one on your smartphones, uh, you, can, you can pull it up there. Genesis 28. If you don't have a Bible, by the way, we, we like to say this, just grab one on the way out and keep it. It's yours. Because we're, we're experiencing this resurgence of getting into the Word at Hosanna. On the weekends, but, but also throughout the week. And uh, I love that quote, that a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Hear that? It's true of churches too. Churches who are getting into the word probably means they're not falling apart. So this passage in Genesis 28, Jacob. Who, who's Jacob and why is he on a road trip? In the last couple of weeks, we've talked about a, a biblical character named Abram, who later is Abraham. And in the last two weeks, the story of Abram. And you can go back and check those messages out online. Jacob is Abram's grandson. He's the son of Isaac, who is Abram's son, right? So Jacob is born to Isaac and Rebekah. He's, he's the one, uh, he's one of uh, twins. He's actually the younger of the two. Esau is his brother. And Esau is why he's on a road trip. Because <laughs> you read just before this, Jacob tricks Esau and his dad into giving him a blessing. And as you can imagine, Esau, giving him the, the father's blessing, is not very happy. And so Jacob's on the road. That's part of the reason why he's on this road trip. Another reason he's on the road trip is his dad, Isaac, has told him to go find a wife in the land where his ancestors came from. So he's on this road trip to find a wife. He actually finds two. It happens. <laughs> Those are the surface reasons for why he's on this road trip, but really there's, there's more going on underneath the surface. There's always more going on underneath the surface. People are on the road. They, they think for these reasons, but something else is driving him. He's trying to find himself. He's trying to find the meaning of life. He, he's trying to, he, he may not even realize, he's trying to find out who God is beyond this little God box that he has in mind for God. And then God shows up. God finds him. 
and blows up his God box. Verse 10. Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. Let's just stop there for a second. Sounds comfy, doesn't it? Stone pillow. Some of you are going to rush off to bed, bath, and beyond right after this. Where's your stone pillow? Probably not. But it tells us something about where Jacob is. He is out in the middle of nowhere. He, he only has a, a stone to put his head on to sleep. Now, geographically, a little bit about what's happening in this story. So Jacob is traveling from Beersheba to Haran. It's, it's a 500-mile walk. So he is literally going to walk 500 miles, okay? <laughs> but thus far, he has made it about 60 miles at this point, and, and, and it's located about 16 miles north of Jerusalem. That, that's where they are. Now, what also is, I think this is interesting. So he is, re, Jacob is retracing the path, the route of his forefather, his ancestors. The generation, two generations before him, Abram has come from Haran down to the area where they now live. And, and Jacob is going back, retracing that route. This happens in the Old Testament, people coming and going and retracing routes. There were roads that just made more sense for people to travel, but there's, I think, something else going on here. We see this in the Old Testament too, where, where generations will repeat the same patterns of the previous generation. They retrace the routes, they retrace the patterns, not just physically, but behaviorally. They, they act just like their fathers did, just like their mothers did, just like their grandparents did. We call these generational cycles. Some of you are aware of the generational cycles that you're living out, that you've been handed. Some of you aren't, but you might be interested in finding out, am I just playing out the script that I've been handed by generations before me? And some of those cycles, they, they keep us from experience, experiencing the fullness of life. And I would say to you, if you are caught in a, a generational cycle, maybe it's with anger, maybe it's with you know, just not living the, the, the faithful way that God, whatever it might be, know that those cycles can be broken. I am, I am standing here to tell you in my life they can be. But, but it takes prayer to break those cycles. It takes counseling oftentimes. And it takes encountering the presence of God, the truth of God. It takes God showing up. And Jacob is gonna experience something like that. Verse 12, as he slept, he dreamed of a stairway, or some translations say a ladder that reached from the earth up to, the, up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway, or the ladder. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I, there's more, I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. I have to stop there because that, that section is literally like packed with promises. It's packed with promise, including this promise that is 
given to Jacob's father, Jacob's grandfather, that, that they are going to be blessed. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you're going to be blessed with descendants that are, that are countless, like as many stars in the sky and dust on the earth. Like that is how many descendants you're going to have. It's an incredible promise. But there are other promises in there too, like the land that you're, you're lying you know, on that soft stone pillow, that's your land. That's your land. You have land. Another promise that I will protect you. I will provide for you. And then this one, I love it. I will be with you. As I, as I worked on the message this week and spent time in prayer and reflected on, okay, God, where do you want? He, he, he kept just tugging me in the direction of almost like we're on a road trip, right? Just pulling off to the side of the road for just a moment here. Because some of you, pastorally, I, I believe this, some of you, what you need more than anything else is just to hear God's promises spoken to you. And more than anything else I'm gonna say, to hear those promises, hear them. God, is prom- he's a promise maker and he's a promise keeper. And he said, there, there's ground, the ground that you're standing on, it's your ground. You may feel like, I don't have any ground to stand on. You've got, you've got ground. That's your ground, he's given you ground. He, he promises to protect you. What is it that you're going through? And it may feel like, man, physically or emotionally, but he is protecting you. Hear that promise. He'll provide. This one, above all else, he is with you. Receive that. He's with you no matter what you're going through. You might feel like you're in the middle of nowhere like Jacob. He's with you. It's a promise. And when God makes a promise, it's like a fact. 16, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I wasn't even aware of it. That's kind of like the, the, the linchpin verse there. But he was also afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. The next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone he had rested, rested his head against and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. So from pillow to pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it. He named that place Bethel, which means house of God, although it was previously called Luz. Then Jacob made this vow. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshiping God. Bethel, house of God. And I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. And we're going to stop there. The story goes on, and you can keep reading the story. That last verse, the last phrase in that verse, it's like, it's just some of the most solid teaching in one phrase on what biblical giving looks like. I just need to point it out. He, he, he talks about how I, he is responding to God's faithfulness in giving. He gives a portion of what he has, but this is, this is the kicker. He's giving only to God what God has first given him. You hear that? That's biblical giving in a nutshell right there. Responding to God, giving a portion of what we have, and just recognizing that all that we have is God's and we're just giving back to him what he gave to us in the first place. That's another message for another day. But for now, road trip. Jacob's on a road trip. And he, is, he thinks he's headed somewhere, and he is. But really, he is searching for so much more, and then God shows up. And it just like, blows his God box, this encounter that he has. The encounter's a dream. You caught that, right? 
God spoke through dreams then, and he can speak through dreams today. Do you know that? He can speak to us through dreams. Now, I need, I need to be clear with you. Not every dream we have is from God, okay? Sometimes you just ate a bad taco the night before or something. <laughs> or it might be even from the enemy. I had a, a series of dreams last night where it was like every possible insecurity and vulnerability that, that, I, that I could have from my past or whatever, it was like it was in that dream, <laughs> And, and I think the enemy was trying to keep me from having the confidence to bring this word today. And when I woke up, it was just so obvious that it, that it was from the enemy, the devil. I was like, Jesus wins. And that was it. And just moved on. That's the authority we have in Jesus Christ. Amen? But he's on a, he's on a road trip, and God just blows this dream, this encounter, just blows up his God box in three ways. Three ways, and, and there are more, but I want, I want to talk about these three ways that God blows Jacob's God box up. And, and I, I believe this as I share these, that it's going gonna, it's gonna to mess with your God box too, right? The first one is, the first way that, that God blows up Jacob's God box is this idea that God pursues us. God pursues us. I mean, Jake, Jacob's out in the middle of nowhere. He's even thinking, I wasn't even aware that God was there, but apparently... <laughs> He was there all along. Jacob wasn't pursued. In fact, Jacob's God box would have, would have said that in order to pursue God, you needed to go to a place, a temple. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they were, they were monotheists, meaning they believed in one God. We believe the true God. But they couldn't help be, but be influenced by kind of where they came from the indigenous religions of, of the land that Abraham's family had come from, which was Ur or Babylon, modern-day Iraq. And in that area around that time, they, archaeologists, historians have found temples, ziggurats that look like that. And, and, and you can just, by looking at it, you get the sense that God is, is this massive, you know, it's a structure, but God is one who has to be approached in, in a certain way, in a specific place. And, and in order to connect with God, the priests could, or the only ones who could do it, but at the top was a shrine, and the priests would make sacrifices. Sound familiar? Later on, the Israelites had a similar system with their temple. This was from Babylon. See, Jacob, he, he didn't have it in his God box that God would pursue him. In order to pursue God, he had to in his mind, go to a place, this ziggurat temple or something like in the middle of, of, of a town. And every civilization that was found that there was a temple like this. And so that was his understanding, his God box. We, we still find ourselves here sometimes, don't we? And experience, God, I've got to go to church or I've got to sit with my Bible open and, and have a cup of coffee. doesn't hurt the coffee, right? But God is pursuing us. He's pursuing you. I read this book uh, a while back, and I, I need to say that I didn't mention this to the bookstore, and I've been talking about it all weekend, so they might be getting quite a list of, of orders, okay? <laughs> they don't have lots of copies in the bookstore. I didn't get it to them ahead of time. But the book was called, God is Closer Than You Think. Just hear that title, and maybe that's enough. <laughs> By John Ortberg, a pastor in California. God is closer than you think. He was here all along, and I didn't even know it. The 19th century uh, poet, this guy named Francis Thompson, he wrote a poem called The Hound of Heaven. The Hound of Heaven. 
And later, uh, some preachers and, and speakers picked up on that concept and they use it. Billy Graham, I think, even used it, that God is like the hound of heaven. There's a hound pursuing after us. God is pursuing people. The hound of heaven. You getting this description? Is that in your God box? God is, he's like the hound of heaven. He, he doesn't, you know, just show up in the temples or in church or when we're having a quiet time. He is pursuing you 24-7. And it's almost like, I think God wants you to feel his breath on your neck, not in a creepy way, but in, a, in the most comforting, compelling way possible. He's the hound of heaven and he's pursuing you. Is that in your God box? Or does that blow your God box up a little bit? Stretch it. Certainly, certainly did for Jacob. Second way that God blew up Jacob's God box is this idea that God is actively engaged in the world. He's, he's actually engaged, actively engaged in the world. In, in Jacob's God box, God would have been this higher being that kind of showed up when, when it really counted, you know, when, when things were really on the line. Or maybe even more along the lines of God is distant and lofty and disconnected, just like at the top of that Ziggurat temple, Ziggurat temple. And this thinking about God, this way of viewing God, that God is distant and disconnected, almost disinterested in the world, people have been thinking this way throughout history for thousands of years, even today. It was definitely true during, during the Bette Midler era, right? Your favorite era, 80s and 90s, okay? Am I the only guy that liked the movie Beaches? <laughs> Some of you just won't raise your hand. Thank you. I like football too, just for the record, okay? But Bette Midler, I don't know if she, she originally wrote the song, but she, she popularized it, this song. God is watching us from where? A distance. Does that capture how some people view God? That God is just this distance. He's watching us from a distance. That song, God is watching us from a distance, could be the anthem for this, this philosophy or way of looking at, at God that came out of the Enlightenment, which happened about 20, uh, 250 years before the Bette Midler era, if you're kind of counting, okay? But the Enlightenment produced this way of looking at God called deism. You heard of this before? Deism. And just to, to, to just simplify this concept, deism is an understanding that God is like a, a clockmaker or an, arc, uh, an architect. He kind of puts the design together, he builds the thing, and then uh, lets it go. Lets it play out. Lets it happen. Jacob's day, the enlightenment, even today, people tend to view God this way. But as God reveals himself to Jacob in this dream, it's not that way at all. You get, the, you get the vision? In this, in this vision of how God engages the world, it's like a ladder and, and angels are going up and down the ladder. It doesn't sound like a disinterested, distant God to me. I just want you to get this, so I, I thought if we had a prop, a ladder, I just happen to have a ladder up here, that it might help. As I'm bringing this up, pray that I don't scratch the car, all right? This is the... The vision, the visual, the picture of how God engages the world. In this dream, God's there and he's sending angels who represented God's presence and God's power and God's message up and down the ladder. 
And it's like a constant, continuous activity. That's the sense that we get in the dream, that God is, is constantly moving up and down the ladder. He's not disinterested or dis- distant. He is very much engaged in what's going on in the world. And it's just as true today. Now, you have to slow down a little bit to see this, to have this view of how God engages the world. You have to slow down. Because if we're going so fast, we can miss it. You gotta pay attention to what's going on around you. Might even have to take a road trip to get away from it all. Just one example for me recently of how God is actively engaged in the world. Last weekend I mentioned that I had the opportunity to pray for someone who just found out that she has cancer again. And I shared that, and I wasn't the only one that prayed for her. I know she was prayed for in our Pray for the Cure ministry and, and other, um, other people as well. But, but after I shared that, then after last week's service, when I shared this, someone came up and, and it was obvious this person was excited to talk to me. She, he said, I am the dad of that person you prayed for. And he just like couldn't contain it. He goes, She's, the cancer's gone. It's gone. Like the doctors can't explain it. It's got, she's healed. I mean, God is actively engaged. Now, now, even as I share that, I know some of you are thinking, I'm on this cancer journey and I I haven't been healed. I haven't been cured. Or, Or something else you're going through that hasn't been resolved in the way that you would like it to. Hear this, God is just as actively engaged. He is he is sending his peace. He is sending his comfort. He is sending his, his, his strength. He's sending angels even to, to, to surround you and to be with you. He is actively engaged. God is not some distant God who doesn't care about what's going on in your life. He cares about every single detail, minute detail of, of your life. He's actively engaged. Is that in your God box? Is that, is that or? Or does that kind of stretch your God box a little bit? He's that involved. And then the third, the third way that God blows up Jacob's God box, it's related to this ladder too, is that God comes down the ladder. You know, in the vision, you got angels going up and down the ladder. In Jacob's God box, it, it would have certainly made sense that there's activity going up to God. But what rocked his God box is that, is that there was activity coming from God all the way down to where people are living, to where people are walking, walking 500 miles. Blew his God box. Because remember, he had that temple, the ziggurat temple in mind. And I just want to show you the staircase again because that captures what people in Jacob's day would have thought about how how it worked, you had to climb the stairs, this long, steep climb. If you wanted to get to God, that's how it happened. What God reveals in this dream to Jacob is that God sends his presence, his messenger. God comes down. And Jacob, this rock, especially think about where he was in that moment. He was out in the middle of nowhere, literally. And and. And he's running from his brother. He's trying to find a wife and, and really just trying to figure out life. He's, and God comes down to him in the middle of that. Well, God was there and I didn't even know it. And, and here's where it gets really big. Because see, this, what happened with Jacob, this dream, 
was a, was a preview, a prediction, a, you know, like a prophetic vision of what God would do 2,000 years later. 2,000 years later, after Jacob has this dream, God sends Jesus. God comes down the ladder with flesh on, fully God, fully human. God comes down, all the way down the ladder in Jesus Christ. And not only does he come down the ladder, he becomes the ladder. That's what Jesus says about himself. Look at this verse in John 1, 51. It says, then Jesus said, I tell you the truth, you will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. He's making a direct, to his first followers, he's making a direct connection to this story of, of Jacob and the vision that he has. That not only is God moving up and down with angels, guess what? Jesus is the ladder. He is the way that activity goes between heaven. He is the the ladder. He is the way that we know that God pursues us all the way down. That he is actively engaged in our lives. He cares about every aspect of our lives and that he has come down so that we can go up, right? He, He comes down so that we can actually begin to rise up and experience the fullness of life that God has for us. And, and, and also, the, the, as the story goes, spend eternity with God. He comes down so that we can go up. Now, this has been blowing people's God boxes up for 2,000 years because it doesn't fit what they have come to believe about God. I've got to climb up a ladder. I've got to do it. I've got to somehow be good enough. But, but this, is, this is how God works. And I would also say to you, this is, this is like the differentiator between Christianity and every other religion, every other worldview out there. And I've spent a fair amount of time thinking about this stuff. I can't claim to know every, every fact and detail about world religions, but I've spent a lot of time thinking about it. And what I can tell you is Christianity is the one religion worldview that does not ask you to climb one single rung to God. Even you think, well, I just want to be a good person got to climb the ladder or, or whatever the religion might be in Christianity he comes all the way down to where we are the middle of the mess the middle of our lives the middle of nowhere so that we can rise up and have life and be on the road trip that God wants us to be on is that good news that's great news And I hope it is messing. Every time I think about that, this is not a one and done thing. Every time, it it kind of rattles my God box. Yeah, God's grace, God's forgiveness, God's love. He he is willing to come all the way to us. So here's what I want to ask you. A series of thoughts, questions here. Now what? You've heard a message like this. And my question is, are you open? Are you open to God showing up in your life? Are you open to having an encounter with him? Are you open to him rocking your world? Are you open to him blowing up your God box? Are you open to him showing you, okay, this is how you thought about God or the world or about what God thinks about other people? Are you you open to him showing you that, no, it's bigger or it's more or it's different? Are you open to him blowing up your God box? Now, some of you are thinking, ah, everything you've talked about, I kind of know. And here's my question for you. What don't you know? about God. 
And of course, the obvious response is, well, I don't know what I don't know. That's true. But be humble enough to admit there is, there is a bigger understanding of God that maybe you haven't arrived at yet. And there's some way he wants to stretch you. He wants to show you more. He wants to reveal something to you. I, I, I had a dream, and, I, and this wasn't one of those dreams that you have when you're asleep, but it's like a vision dream. And I've been sharing it all weekend, and, and it's this. What if we all, each one of us as individual followers of Jesus Christ, wherever you are on the road trip even, you can join us. But what if we as a congregation said, God, blow the lid off our God box. Blow it off. Blow the lid off our God box. Like, take it off. God, we don't want some, some definition that we came up with for who you are. We don't want to make you in our image. We want you to, to show us who you are in your fullness, the fullness of your heart, the fullness of your love, that how much you love this world, how much you want to see this world come to you. Show us. Blow the lid off our God box. That's my dream right now. What, imagine what would happen if we did that. Just imagine it for a moment. Here's what would happen. It would change our city. It would change the South Metro. It would change the Twin Cities. It would change the state. It would change the country. It would change the world. (laughs) When we pray that prayer, God blow the lid off our God box. Let's pray that he would do that right now. God, first of all, we want to thank you for coming down, for coming all the way down. That's what it took. Make no mistake about it, God. You made possible what we could never do on our own. What it would take to approach or, or rise or ascend to your holiness is way more than we have on our own. We're all too human. And yet, Lord, you have come down in the flesh, not leaving your, your divinity behind, but taking on the fullness of humanity, coming down and showing us what your love looks like, your heart looks like, what the Father's love looks like for his, for his people, for this world. Thank you for coming down. And now, now may we be people who rise up, who rise up and, and start to take the ground that you've given us to believe the promises that they're not just for people a long time ago, but they're promises for people like us today to live out with boldness, God. We pray this bold prayer that you would blow the lid off our God box and that we would never, ever, ever be the same as people, as families, or as a congregation or community. Just blow it up, God. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. amen. Would you stand? I wanna sit down, but you guys can stand. All right. Well, I just want to remind you that as the Spirit's moving in your hearts and your lives, there are people ready to pray with you for any old reason. Maybe something that, that was triggered in you today, stirred up in you today. Maybe, maybe you have a request um, from, from your lives. Maybe, maybe you just want to praise God for something, a blessing. There's a lot going on in the world. We should be praying. Amen? Amen. So pray with someone up front or in the prayer room. And now receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week as we continue the road trip.